Hello, and welcome to part two of Video Game Academy's discussion of Little Inferno with Benjamin Kozlowski and Wesley Schultz. discuss more Little Inferno. This is Wesley. I've got Ben with me. How's it going, Ben? It's going all right. Good. Good. Uh, so a week ago, we talked about just the first hour or so of gameplay, which is the first two catalogs um, and the video and some of the uh, letters that you get. As you mentioned, uh, so far it holds true. There's no more videos yet, um, mm -hmm. but we do get quite a few letters and Quite a turn of events here. So, um, do do you want to just summarize sort of the the trajectory over the the third uh, through the fifth catalogs? Yeah, at this point, um, we're we're still burning stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Obviously, the mechanics have not changed. Um, but through the letters, through the various things that we burn, we grow closer, especially to to our neighbor sugar plumps who goes from being the sort of ditzy and not terribly self-aware, like neighbor banging on our wall and trying to get our attention to something <laughs> approximating an actual friend. Um, yeah. Like she buys curtains for you and you, ha you have these fireproof curtains that are hanging around in your fireplace <laughs> um, for a couple of catalogs there. Uh, again, you sort of send stuff to and from her. Um, so at one point she like sends you the delete key to her keyboard. Um, at one point you send her the little exterminator robot to kill a bug thing that apparently is bothering her only, you know, after a huge amount of sound effects and her trying to destroy the bug, she ultimately is unsuccessful and sends you the bug egg instead, which apparently has a horrifying Cthulian, Cthulian tentacle monster inside of it. And of course you burn it up. Um, but tragically, uh, this ends, like the, the fifth catalog ends with Sugar Plump's surprising and unexpected demise. Yeah. Um, like we, she's, she sends us a couple of fairly cryptic letters throughout the duration of the fifth catalog. Things that are, that in, indicate that she's sort of playing with the mechanics of the Inferno itself and even asks the rather pointed question, what is behind you? Yes, yes. Which is daunting because the entire game, like the, the entire interface is just the inferno. There is no behind you. This is not a first person shooter where, you know, you just press the right key and you turn around. You can't, you don't have mouse look. You don't have any way of panning. Like this is not, this is not a power granted to you by the game, and yet she questions that. And then very shortly after she questions this, you, she sends you some messages that go into the sort of garbled speech. You get these interesting sort of like bad modem connection sound effects. <laughs> um, she she's apparently sends you all of these nonsensical symbols as though the letters you're receiving are actually text messages or emails or something. And then you hear a series of wild sound effects culminating in an explosion. And then you get a letter from the weatherman who says that there's this huge updraft because one of the houses has burst into flame in the night. Um, so the weatherman has been giving us these updates throughout, like it's cold, it's still snowing, nothing is changing, but apparently this has a grimmer side to it because, you know, as the video sort of, sort of suggests and foreshadows with its grim, like house burning ending, it appears that our friend Sugar Plumps has come to that. Her little yeah. inferno has taken her house with it. Yeah, she asks a few really, really poignant questions there. Uh, what's behind you? It it has a few layers to it, right? Like, mm -hmm. literally, as you say, you can't turn around within the world of the game. Of course, metaphorically or, or in a meta sense, you, you of course can turn around, but you wouldn't continue to play the game if you weren't actually looking down into your screen, right? You'd Yep. You'd be doing everything else that you're supposed to be doing in your life. Um, but also, like, in in the idiom of it, what's behind you, it's like, 
asking sort of what's your background what's led you to be here in this moment right and and that is something that we also don't know the answer to right like what's the backstory of this character that you're playing as um it's sort of the question that we've been asking i think um not just about ourselves as the character but also about the the corporation right that has sent us this device this entertainment system mm-hmm. um what's behind them what's behind the you know the world as we can see it um is it really you know snowing out there and what's causing that so so that question it, it's it's a very full of of interesting um sort of suggestions uh but but of course as you say it's cut off very tragically by her demise um and oh man it really struck me i was not expecting that um i didn't think that she would go at least not you know before the very end of the game mm-hmm. um and so i'm i'm left really wondering what's going to happen next um and just not sure really how to feel about this like your character doesn't react in any obvious way um you just keep burning stuff <laughs> yeah there, there's no way to react i mean yeah. Like we said last time, you know, you never send letters, you just receive them. You, you are a consumer, you are a recipient. Um, you can't initiate contact. Uh, you have to wait for her. And now that she's not there, there's no way for her to talk to you. Um, and there's, you know, in the game mechanic, no way for you to grieve even. Like, you know, the, the, there was an old terrible joke about like, one of the Call of Duty games had like a pay press x to pay respects in one of its games like you don't even get that like you you just have to keep burning because it's the only thing that you can do in this game it's the only mechanic you have access to Um, yeah and it's interesting too she says some other stuff there maybe we can get to that in a sec but mm -hmm. but there's also of the things that you can burn now your your catalogs have opened up lots of options that weren't there before um so basic mechanics like stacking things uh breaking things that that's still uh, available of course but things get to do a lot more stuff now right um yeah. we saw a little bit of this with, with your your wooden fire fan of course right. um and, and and it's taken to a, quite a, a different level here because there's items that that freeze things on mm-hmm. contact um, and so actually stop fires um, or at least slow them down. There's, mm-hmm. there's more like gravity type items that appear. Yep. And, uh, and of course, all sorts of explosions and, and different colors and things. Am I missing mm-hmm. some? There's, there's got to be some other stuff too. Yeah, there's, um, there are a number of different little like effects and mechanics that you keep sort of running into like the color changes like you pointed out with the beetles or the or the big barrel that changes all the colors um there's there's the little inferno game um, oh yeah like th- there's one that's like a handheld game like an old like tiger electronics 90s era like bit game with like only certain things that can move um, and it, like it's it's definitely sort of working off the game and watch model even earlier than that, but it's just like a little bonfire in the middle of the screen that flickers. Um, and then there's there's also like the beta version, which is a floppy disk that you find and can of course burn. But when you do, it plays it plays the Little Inferno theme song in like an eight bit sort of very right. video gamey way, and it turns the fire pixelated. Um, so it's it like turns bright green and and is very blocky and not very not not nearly as as sophisticated in its re- resolution or presentation um and, and there's even like a there's even an achievement one of the one of the combos that you get is you burn the little little inferno handheld game with the little inferno <laughs> inferno beta and it is the meta combo <laughs> the meta combo yes yes so I wasn't sure at a certain point, I wasn't sure which item was doing which effect because I'd got them, you know, together in the fireplace at that point to, to try to find combos. Um, but so it's the beta version that makes things pixelated like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you burn it, it, it's like the game itself sort of reverts to an, an older form. Um, do you remember that part in super Mario RPG where if you walk behind the curtain, 
in uh, Booster's Tower, and you walk out again. You're you're an eight bit looking Mario. Mm -hmm. Briefly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, and and meta game is very fitting, right? Because there's so much about this game that that invites that sort of interpretation or analysis. And so I like yeah. that it's just making fun of itself there. And and again, like we touched a little bit last week on on the satirical elements that are at play in this game, like the the idea that we are supposed to to carry some of its lessons out into the real world, like both yeah. of, both its comments on consumerism and even like the the catalogs, especially during this section, they all have a have a satirical quality to them. They all have a certain sort of commonality. So in like the third catalog, it's all food based and you have like the dishes and the spoon and you get like the bad sushi and a bunch of other things that you can eat. Uh, the fourth one, I think, is that's the one with the with the video game theme. Um, and, you know, some of the references are pretty obvious, like the little Inferno things that we just talked about. It, there's definitely two references to World of Goo, which yeah. is another combo that you can get. Um, there's also like Link's sword, only it's made of cardboard. Um, yes. Isn't it also a Minecraft reference that, that little sword thing? That's yeah. what it made me think of. Yeah. I think it's a little of both. Like when you, when you burn it, it plays a little fanfare that sounds very Zelda-esque. <laughs> um, and even like, if you look at the little video, when it's describing the item, it like shows that classic like pan down the blade the way uh, you the master sword shot in ocarina of time um so it's definitely a reference to to both of them and i think even the description is something along the lines of like uh it's dangerous take this right uh, oh yeah yeah the first is a reference NES to the original. Zelda, yeah yeah and then there's like super meat boy and <laughs> there, there are a couple like there's the the adventurer guy who dispenses gems when you set him on fire uh -huh. um like there, there's a whole bunch of of little nods to to like the video game world in that catalog and then the fifth one for some reason the fifth one slipped in my mind um i remember it's their like fancy stuff basically isn't yeah it? like upscale luxury items yeah that and sort of like an emphasis on adulthood a lot so you get mm. like the wine in that one and then oh yeah yeah like the anxiety the anti-anxiety medication which shows up um <laughs> there is some weird stuff for sure and again some of them sort of work on those themes um but yeah you're you're definitely right to point out especially those sort of like new mechanics that are getting sort of built on top of the ones that we find here. Um, so like, like you said, there, there are the freezing things like the ice cubes or the little like rainstorm thing. Yeah. That, and it freezes stuff, which makes it like resistant to being burned. You have to wait for it to unfreeze before you can set it on fire. Otherwise it just shatters when you try. Right. Um, which, you know, that, sort of like ruins the game in some way like <laughs> right. the whole fun is setting all the stuff on fire and, and the frozenness is contagious like you set it next to an item and the item freezes and then that item will freeze other things that are that are next to it so the whole the whole fireplace will become a giant frozen ice block if you're not careful yeah. um and then you've got the gravity mechanics like we saw it right at the end of the second catalog with the moon and now there's the galaxies and there will be other ones to come. Um, and I find it, I find it especially poignant that the game has these two very distinctive mechanics because on the one hand, you know, the, the world is getting colder and nobody knows why. So like the frozenness it ruins your fun, but it's also something, there's also something apocalyptic about it. Like it echoes the world that you sit in. Um, right. And one of the things I noticed maybe for the first time since I've been playing this game is like, if you don't do anything, if you literally sit there looking at a blank screen, nothing on fire, no sound effects playing, you can hear the wind. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're just sitting in a, like, like you're sitting in a cabin in the woods during the winter and you can just hear the wind blowing outside, like it, just an inhospitable world outside of the door. And, you know, if anything, it just resonates with that message in the video, like, you know, no need for alarm, just burn all your toys to stay warm. Um, 
just ignore the fact that this is a scary world outside and just set your stuff on fire and it's nice and bright and exciting and fun. Hooray. It's, it is, it is, uh, it, one of the items that freezes stuff is a little snow globe, right? And, um, uh, it even mentions something like, you know, this, this tiny world in there is a kind of microcosm of the real, you know, the game world that is, um, we're told multiple times, right? Like, Burning stuff, playing with fire is dangerous, but there's something even more dangerous. And I'm, I'm suspecting now that it's, it's got something to do with that, that cold, right? The, it's, it's mm-hmm. like not burning stuff, right? And what's, uh, what's there when the fire dies, you know, that's more dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I also, you know, I also think about those galaxies and what Sugar Plum says before she uh, meets her untimely end there is something she has this weird kind of insight about the nature of of fundamental physics right like mm-hmm. the the formation of galaxies is from the 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 detritus of all this like stuff that just kind of clumps together um and that's where everything starts from so it's kind of the the reverse right of of burning stuff up is that process of of glomming together, right? Almost back to the world of goo idea again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, which of those two images or, or whether they both might play into whatever sort of uh, conclusion this game is going to come to. Uh, but, but I've forbidden you from commenting on anything that is about to happen. So, yep. so I'll, just, I'll just leave that for now. What, what did you make of her her little poetic moment there about the the galaxies. I think, I think it's very insightful, just like, especially from the, from the direction that it's coming from, like sugar plumps. She is not necessarily the the (laughs) wisest or smartest person in the game world. Like of the three characters who we receive correspondence with the weatherman, Miss Nancy and sugar plumps, she is obviously the least like the least aware of herself for most of the game. Like she's the one who, who starts getting caught up in her own language when she's, you know, talking about like wanting to have a bug in a mug when she's trying to talk about (laughs) hugs or, you know, trying to kill the beetle and then ending up making friends with it. And, um, you know, just asking for stuff because she accidentally burned all of her things and no longer, you know, can do anything, which is kind of crazy. Like, as we know, you know, every time you burn something, you get more money. So how is it even possible that she's gotten (laughs) to the point that she has nothing left? Um, Like all of these things suggest this person who is just completely like absent minded and not very aware and not very, keen on insight who is just literally you know the ideal like consumer for consumers sake Mm -hmm. like just buying it up and not questioning it and doing what like burning it all because that's what you're supposed to do and not questioning it and just constantly stimulated not in a way that like makes her reflect or think but as stimulation as distraction as a lack of awareness about her world and then she like has this profound revelatory moment like consider the galaxies think of the way that all the billions of particles of matter have sort of coalesced into the into creation as we know it and that we are all part of that like that's a profound insight especially from someone who you know was just trying to kill that bug like last catalog um what, and it's, what accounts for that, do you think? What what brings her to that? I mean, on the one hand, it's sort of inexplicable. Like, you see a development of her character over time. She does get more aware as time goes on. Like, the first time that you meet her, she's just nothing but, like, chaos and, you know, lack of awareness. Like, even even her writing style is distorted like she introduces herself as sugar plumps with like a capital mps at the end of her name like she's clearly just all over the place um and but by you know catalog three and four she's thinking about you like she's making the connection to things that you want 
So she gets you the curtains and, and she does nice things for her neighbor and she'll frequently knock on, on the wall to like say hello <laughs> while you're reading her letters. Um, also, just as sort of like a creepy side note, anytime that you read her, her writing, if you watch her face rather than the letters, the expression will change from time to time. Like oh, she'll gosh. go from a sort of neutral face to like smiling when it's appropriate. Um, it, it's fairly ingeniously designed that every time that you like flip the page, it actually covers up the face and thus allows it to change. Okay. Um, but then finally, when, when her house is on fire, you see that same picture, but it's like covered, covered in flame. Like the photograph itself is distorted or burned. Right. Um, but throughout this process, she, she does seem to be getting more aware. And what I find sort of like, it's hard to really posit this, but it does seem like the business of Little Inferno is actually waking her up. Aha. Uh -huh. I, I like that. No, that is, that's the only thing I could really come to as well. I, I think it has something to do with the entertainment and the limits of the entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. As you said, she somehow finds herself running out of stuff to burn. And so it sort of forces this, uh, the reflection on her. Um, and with that, her uncanny power of sending and not only receiving letters, I think mm -hmm. is something to do with this too. Um, that she is able to reach out and make a connection with, with you, the player. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that works. So I, I can see the, so in that I can see the metaphorical like freezing, right? The, the cold mm -hmm. of the absence of fire. And I can see the, the gravitation or, or magnetism, the, the, the glomming together of things that were separate uh, and establishing some kind of relationship there. Um, so it's, it's ironic that that would be somehow caused by or, or facilitated at least by the uh, the little inferno, but but I could see it. I mean, I, I think that's that's what I'm left with, I guess. Yeah, I'm also struck by how you know the objects that you burn in Little Inferno frequently draw attention to things that you don't that you don't recognize about the world, things that you sort of yeah. take for granted. Like, there's something really uncomfortable about the first time you burn the moon. <laughs> um, and, and then they give you those three galaxies and they sort of, you know, don't introduce them as though they have any relation to you. They're, it's not, like, it's not mm -hmm. like they're your galaxy, but you still get this sense that, you know, if in fact a galaxy is, as Sugar Plumps tells us, this, you know, conglomeration of all of these bits, all of these particles, like billions of years of space sort of gradually coming together and creating order out of chaos, you know, it is incredibly destructive for you to just be like, hey, hey, hey and I always set them on fire and they explode. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's fun, but it's also sort of, it gives you pause. Hmm. Like, what really are the consequences of my actions here? Sure, it's just a toy moon, but it behaves like a real moon. Um, these, you know, the stuffed animals are just stuffed animals, but they still move with their own forces. They still behave in certain ways. Um, and you know, even even those little those little details, like like the the wine bottles, the midlife crisis mitigator, they're called, or or the <laughs> best friend supplement pills from Catalog Two. Um, you know, it sort of it sort of draws attention to the business of loneliness. Like mm -hmm. some of the fire, some of the things that you burn gives you pause, and you sort of think about how irresponsible it is to burn them. Like your initial reaction to the bus oh, in, gosh, the, in yeah. the first catalog was, you know, horror. Um, but on the other hand, there are certain things that you want to burn. Like mm -hmm. there are certain things that the catalog presents you that it's joyful to burn. Like like there's the evil boss, um, like, <laughs> and he's just this little boss doll with like an '80s haircut and suit. But like every time that you move him, he just utters this little like villainous laugh. It's hey, 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 hey. and <laughs> like even in the description, it's like it turns out the villain was the rich, you know, corporate leader the whole time, and it you know it's sort of pointing to these tropes that we have in our society, like yeah, it's the rich guy who is the villain, or yeah, like 
you know, it, it's the person who's drunk all the time who, who doesn't really experience life. And you set these things on fire. You're just like, yeah, and watch us burn them. You know, let's destroy them in effigy. Let's totally iconoclast these things. Um, you know, it, it invites you to say, yeah, I want this out of my life. I want the bad sushi burned up. I want the, <laughs> I want the, the pills destroyed. I want to live without these things. And I want to get rid of them. I want, you know, I want to destroy them. It's um, a, it's a pur purgation, right? Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, the, the purifying element of, fi of fire. So after, after the inferno, you come to purgatory. And once you've burned off everything, then, then you get to paradise, right? In, mm -hmm. in the, in the Dantean scheme or, you know, the classical or, or medieval scheme maybe, but, but yeah, we, uh, this is what we have instead of uh, Dante. <laughs> we, have, yeah. we have little Inferno, but it's fine. And to go back to the moon for a sec, uh, that one that one does kind of strike me uh, as as one of the first intimations of of kind of what's going on um, thematically with with gravitation and how it's it first appears in the form of a gameplay element, right? The, the moon sort of floats there and and pulls things into its orbit. And uh, and it totally changes your perspective of of them as they sort of float about, you know, ethereally in this dance. Um, they become really beautiful, actually, and um, and it is a little bit hard to then set it on fire and watch it, you know, crash to the ground. Um, it reminds me a lot, actually, of the game uh, Katamari Damachi. Mm -hmm. Have you played that one? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so of course, you know, in that game, you are, you are doing the, the rolling up of stuff. And as you roll things up, then they ascend to the heavens and become stars and constellations and whatnot. And, uh, and so I thought there was a kind of interesting riff on that here where you take the moon and you, well, you light it on fire and watch it crash down and burn. Um, it, it's, it's rather, um, uh, moving, you know, and and it's more so when you when you go to make the combo with the uh, cello a little later, right. you have to have the moon there, which is expensive, and takes a long time, and then the cello, which you know everything becomes more expensive as you get further. Um, so it's like you're you're making more of an investment, and then you're promptly lighting those things on fire, and they become more beautiful. They they play music for you as they burn and and yeah. swirl around and, and crash down, um, you know, explode. Um, make bubbles or frost or whatever it is they do. There's a number of things that turn out to make music, actually, right? Um, yeah, like the, uh, the, the Valkyrie opera singer. <laughs> that's right. Yes, yes. She sings, and the little idols sing too, actually, mm -hmm. um, which surprised me. I don't think I noticed that before. So I, I'm guessing there's something to do uh, with making a kind of a kind of symphony, because of course, again, that's one of the the meanings that the word play you know, play carries in English um, the meaning of, of playing music or, or um, creativity, right? And that artistic kind of meaning is, is built into the word. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious about where the, uh, the gameplay is going to go from here as much as I am about where the story is going to go from here. Yeah. One of the other things, like it's not a mechanic so much, but it is sort of a trend that you'll see you know, both here and going forward, like if I may be permitted, just the slightest and most vague illusion. Oh, very well. Um, like you, you remember the the one? I forget what it was. It's like, it's like this puppet guy who has this creepy large head. It's right at the end of either the fourth or the fifth catalog. Oh yeah. And he has like psychic powers. Yes. And when you set him on fire, like his eyes, which are closed, they open and glow. And he like, he vaporizes. Like all you have to do is set him on fire a little bit and he'll just internally combust. Um, like, I think that's even the, the name of the, of the thing. It's like the internal combustion doll. The spontaneous um, combustion, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but between that and a few of the other things that, that we've seen, like the little, the little attack robots, <laughs> from the from the video game catalog um yeah. there is a sort of a sort of um riff on what we would expect from like science fiction um mm -hmm. and sort of on the one side the the potential 
the potential scariness of science fiction, like the post-apocalyptic um, with things like the disease gnome thing, the, the leprechaun from catalog two and the, the mystery potion from, from the food catalog that like makes everything decay and deteriorate. Hmm. Um, like all you have to do is put the leprechaun out and literally anything in, in the fireplace will just sort of like gradually disintegrate, including the leprechaun himself. Like he'll lose his legs and his arms and just poof, gone before you even set fire to him. Um, and the mystery potion is the same thing. But then on the other hand, you have these, these things that are meant to be set on fire that imply like if not a hopeful future, then at least a technologically advanced one. Hmm. Um, like there are a lot of things in that video game catalog that, that imply technological advancement. Like you've got the cell phone, which, you know, they make the joke about how the, the primary goal of it is to reduce every word to four letters or less. Um, and it's got like written in text speak, um, or the fancy iPad thing, which is basically just playing a variation on Duck Hunt. Um, but all of these little doodads and devices that, that are sort of a testament to how far we've come um, as a species, as a society, like video games themselves being this sort of art form that could never have existed until this moment in time. Um, and of course, you burn them because that's what you do to everything in Little Inferno. Uh, but it, it's just like, especially in the context of the world that we're looking at where, you know, there is on the, it is apparently the not too distant future, but it's also a not too distant future where things have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Like where everything is frozen and cold. Um, I, I think the game internally, it might not be giving us hints as to what the history of this world looks like, but it is giving us sort of reinforcement of what our world could look like. What are the options going forward? You know, what are the prospects? It's a, it's a prophetic voice in a sense then, mm -hmm. um, in a, in a scary one, um, like any good, you know, prophet. Um, right. And the, uh, yeah, that, that spontaneous combustion doll, that one took me by surprise because I, I put it out there and set it on fire, and I expected, like most of those late catalog items, to to take a while to burn. Mm -hmm. And so I started flipping through my catalogs to find other stuff to burn with it. And by the time I looked back, it was gone. You know, yeah. um, it had already yeah combusted. Um, that um, that makes me think again about the uh, the curtains too, right? Like mm -hmm. that thing that looks like it is uh, quintessentially combustible. And of course, they're they're fireproof supposedly, um, yeah. But not so much uh, when when the house next door burns down. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a fairly grim reminder after afterwards that like yeah, sugar plums is not with us, you know. Yeah, like this is the thing that she gave to you, and it is just in tatters now, all burnt up. And and during that little sequence, it takes away your inventory briefly. And, and so you just watch um, mm -hmm. that, you know, that conflagration that you didn't cause, right? So it's right. like the one thing that you haven't set on fire, but you're yeah. forced to, to watch it happen. And I mean, by rights, your house should really probably burn up too, if you guys are that close to each other. Um, so that was a little confusing for me, like why mm -hmm. or how her house can completely burn up and your house can apparently be untouched standing. Um, but as you say, you know, we can't really look around to see, like maybe it has burned down around you. Uh, we just don't know yet. Uh, the, the fireplace is still there. So the other thing she says before she goes is something about looking up the chimney, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that I was really curious. I think that was one of the last things she, she actually does say before it just becomes gibberish. Um, She's like very curious, very interested in looking up the chimney, but you know, how can you look up the chimney without sticking your head in it? Um, mm -hmm. th that, you know, that's another possible answer to the question about what's more dangerous than playing with fire, I guess, is like, you know, when you actually get into the fireplace with it um, and, and try to see where it's going uh, up the chimney, that 
that was uh that was a pretty pretty creepy little moment um a little too much participation maybe in yeah. the game right i'm also struck though that like that's that's something that she's brought up before hmm. like you remember uh, when she does run out of things to burn she says that it's because she bought the fireflies and she let them all go free and they oh, flew yeah. off the chimney that's right um, and they're they're lost so you know she didn't burn them so in theory she wouldn't get the money back but they all escaped um and or at least i think it's something along that line like mm -hmm. they tried to get away and maybe she burned them maybe she didn't i'm not sure um in either case it's a vivid image though and there are a lot of things in the game that do fly up the chimney um yes. when you burn them like the bad sushi that i keep making jokes about you set that sucker on fire and all these like little flies and stuff like <laughs> jump out of the out of the sushi and then they fly up the chimney and they're gone yeah. You don't set them on fire. And in fact, I'm not sure you can in some of those cases, but that's the last you see of them. Um, they, they have escaped. Uh, and there, there are a couple things that do, do something similar. Um, like the flies themselves, but also a couple of other items, if I'm not mistaken, like the fireflies, when you break the glass, they will fly up um, and you can either set them on fire or not as you see fit. Um, there are a couple right. things that are that are even like they'll jump up the chimney and come back down. So like when you when you burn the corn on the cob in the first catalog, like it makes <laughs> popcorn. Um, or when you burn the little camera that's pointed towards you, it snaps like a Polaroid photograph, and the photograph jumps up, and it's actually really tough to catch it before it hits the ground and sets on fire. Huh. Um, so yeah. Which, does it no. take a picture of you playing the game? It does. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there are two items that are sort of, that have that quality at the beginning of the game. The first is the television, which uh -huh. you probably saw. Like it, it shows the entire screen that you're looking at in miniature on the oh, screen. I did not notice that. Whoa. So it's yeah. that um, it sends you into the abyss, right? Uh, it does, and, uh, and it's a fractal thing. Like you can see the television screen oh, no. on your television screen, <laughs> and the television screen on that television screen on your television screen. Like it, it's kind of like looking into you know mirrors on either side of you at a barber shop or something, where they, they just go on forever. Um, so Whoa. you know that's that's one of those hints. The other one is definitely the camera because like. When, when you set it on fire, it takes a picture, like a Polaroid shot, and the shot flies up into the, into the air. And if you do, in fact, catch it, which I, I've done, it's tough, but it shows you, like a head, mm -hmm. um, you know, with hair. And, you know, kind of like the way that there's sort of these cryptic, like stylized faces that you see on, on the, the postcards, like Sugar Plumps' face. That's what you see like you as one of these characters but you know to sort of draw it back to the pur purgative quality of little inferno like it is really tough to see these things and again you are just going to set them on fire like self-awareness is something you want to get rid of yeah. at least in those early catalogs um, so once again, you consign them to the flames. You do not want to think about your role in this world. You do not want to want to dwell on it. Um, it's something that should give you a little bit of pause, but mechanically, the it's sort of enforced that you can't. Like you don't have the time. You you are not allowed to think about it. You are not encouraged right. to. Um, sort of like the opposite of Big Brother in that sense. Like you just keep watching the screen and don't pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And so the the sense in which you're being watched makes me think again of the the face in the fireplace, which mm -hmm. still hasn't uh, revealed what it's what it's there to do. Um, but again, I noticed that you know, certain things sort of gravitate towards it apparently mm -hmm. uh, things that hover seem to hover directly over it and uh and and certainly suggest that there's some way to uh to heat it up enough to make it do something or, or you know interact with it in some fashion 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be really disappointed if that thing doesn't do anything in the whole game. <laughs> uh, it's just completely inert. It's just a thing to to tease you, like yeah. No, but um, but yeah, I, I suspect um uh, that uh, that there's there's something that it will it will open up and and cause to happen before the end of the game here. Yeah, it certainly suggests it. Like even on even at the left and right of the the you know fireplace proper you can see these gears turning yeah all the time and you know it's a fireplace you really don't need a mechanical component to make a <laughs> fireplace work and yet there they are so there's obviously something more complex going on mm-hmm. um it's it's not entirely clear what but you know it's more than meets the eye and you know obviously there's some system that delivers the the stamps when you when you you know, get mm-hmm. your combo correct, or it gives you the coins that pop out of these items. Um, like, on the one hand, it is just a fireplace. On another hand, it seems to be deeply integrated with all of the other systems in this game. So yes. it's all one unit. The uh, the other thing that that makes me think of, we haven't mentioned it outright, but I think it's implied in a lot of what we said. The way that the music that plays over Sugar Plump's uh, letters changes in the course of these uh, chapters, too. Um, it becomes more complex. Uh, it becomes more sort of sentimental in a way, uh, less sort of superficial and deeper. Um, but then it also, I guess, is is over at, the, at, at her last letters um it's it's garbled with those sound effects and then you know she's not going to be sending any more letters so so her music is not going to develop any further um that i thought was was really cool how that was um kind of integrated uh into the the way that she develops as a character right um uh, but it makes me really sad (laughs) we won't we won't see any further you know her potential has been uh, has been cut short here. Yeah, there's also you know in addition to the couple of to like the sugar plumps theme, which does develop as you say, it gets more robust, more complex. Um, she also during her revelations, like those moments when when she starts to get clarity, when she starts to reevaluate things, like her theme drops out, and the music uh-huh. they play instead is more ambient, um, a little bit more haunting. Um, like there's even this great little musical stab that she does when she tells you, you know, what's behind you. Like it just cuts out. There's this one like hard, deep note, and then silence. And it's like the one time that there's silence while you're reading somebody's letter um, is when you know she's sort of brought up this elephant in the room, so to speak, and you have no way of answering this question. Like. You know, anyone who who sits at their computer or looks at their phone and then takes a moment and like looks behind themselves, it's totally warranted. It's not going to help you in this case, but it is entirely warranted. It's oh gosh, sort of, yeah, yeah. It, it's the same thing as like if you play a horror game or something or watch a watch a scary movie, you start you know looking around like, what is behind me? What if I'm missing you know the the slasher out of the corner of my eye? You know. I saw that scene where she was talking on the phone and right behind her, there he was. And I'm like, look behind her. <laughs> what if that's happening to me right now? Um, but Yeah. It's a, way. it's a weird way that your, your mind plays tricks. Um, it, it certainly feels like, you know, somebody else is there in the room with you. Um, yeah. And, and it's hard to shake once, once you start to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the weatherman, of course, uh, you said he saw he saw her house go up, um, so he sort of like confirms or, or provides another perspective on things. Um, I, I also really like, of course, his music, um, but uh, I, I want to try to listen to it a little more carefully to see what the um, musical sort of light motifs are that uh, that account for some of the effects of this. Uh, this game and the way that it develops um, I it's it's going by pretty fast so I'll probably end up replaying some of this uh, as well as, as trying to get to the end before our next conversation yeah um, the, there are really 
I want to say that there are four that you run into. Okay. Um, the, you have obviously Sugar Plumps' theme, which changes over time. You have Miss Nancy's theme, which you only hear when she sends you letters, which becomes more infrequent. Like, I think she contacts you the one time during our little three to five catalog thing. She sends yeah. you the little, the little free hug coupon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to keep it, but I ended up burning it. <laughs> yeah, it... Again, the game is totally discouraging you from keeping stuff. That that yeah. small little inventory does not allow you to hold on to anything that you might consider valuable or sentimental or, you know, especially now that Sugar Plums is dead. Remember that time she sent you a picture? It would be really nice to have that right now. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's got her own theme. And then the Weatherman has his theme, which is the same theme that you hear, uh, like, at the opening credits. Um but there's one other one, the sort of like mystery theme, which is the one that, that plays when Sugar Plums is having her, her revelations. Um, oh. And it's a little bit more haunting, a little bit more calm, um, a little bit more somber. But yeah, I think those are the only four. I could be wrong and I could be, you know, con- like confusing two of them. Um, I, I long ago downloaded the soundtrack since Kyle Gabler generously provides it for free on his site. And I, you know, will frequently play through it from now or now and again. But I think it's really those four and they just are, you know, modified according to the needs of, of the game. And that, again, Wagnerian leitmotif sense. Yeah. Like, let's make Sugar Plump's theme sad or reflective or more pensive. Or let's make the Weatherman's theme more or less ominous. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's interesting how they sort of blend into one another too, right? Like, as you described, the 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 changes in Sugar Plum's music then go over to this other like song entirely, um, which again suggests, I guess, that the way that you get at those kinds of insights, mysteries, uh, I don't know, revelations, even is through this more cheerful, silly, uh, unthinking sort of activity, um, which maps onto the way the game works really nicely. Um, yeah. it, but of course it, it works that way. I want to say because it sort of also sounds like, you know, the kind of music that you would describe that way, if that makes sense, you know, it sort of operates within this, this context where it gets to make allusions to other video games and it gets mm-hmm. to, cut against your expectations about um, what a video game is or, or, or something like that. Um, it's, it sounds, you know, mysterious because that's like the mysterious music that plays during much more developed stories that we might mm-hmm. be able to think of or, or, you know, something along those lines. Um, well, I also think just the, the items that we're presented with also encourage us to, to be reflective, to sort mm-hmm. of think about, things in a greater context like there's i mean we we talked a little bit about some of the items that you know do sort of give you pause but again a lot of these are meant to be satirical like on this playthrough i noticed especially the the cold war combo is i didn't get that one yet no don't tell me what it is i know it i know it has the stupid little uh, dolls that are all unique and all the same but i don't know the other thing well yeah i mean one of them is definitely the russian nesting dolls but um like once once you figure it out you'll have to have to get back to me because that one was one of those that i thought was particularly insightful a little bit like a little bit playful and mischievous i haven't Um, got that one and i haven't got the airplane one yet either airplane mode yep um and funky food there's too many different funky foods there are indeed a lot of funky foods (laughs) uh so I haven't quite got to the completionist status that I aspire to yet, but uh, but I certainly will. Or I'll just cheat and look it up before next time. I will give you one big hint, um, okay. not for any specific one, but um, one of the things that you notice when you've played it as many times as I have at this point, uh, the the they are listed in order of uh-huh. when you can get them. Um, so like take the funky food for example if it appears like next to uh combos that you can complete in catalog two then that means you only need catalog two to get them 
Right. Um, and for that matter, on an item by item basis, like uh, yes. as soon as an item becomes available, you know, like you can look at its position to the stuff that came before and the stuff that came afterwards because they're all unlocked chronologically. Um, and you can, in many cases, deduce which one you you need in a given situation. So like okay. the, the bike pirate, which is like the first one, um, <laughs> that one, you know, the bicycle is when it is unlocked. Like that's the last of the two, I think. Um, so hence why it's there. But if like one item, like the cello, for example, yes. has multiple combos, then you'll see them all listed right next to each other unless one of the items is later. So like you found the Moonlight Serenade one, um, that one's not listed when the moon comes out, which is back in catalog two, but it is listed when when the cello shows up in catalog five. Right, right. And they're grayed out, you know, anything beyond what you have access to yep. in that catalog is just is just not um, highlighted. So yeah, it definitely definitely helps you out in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I enjoy the level of challenge. Like, I guess there's no way to like lose this game um, if you sit there long enough. But uh, but at the same time, I, I, I do feel like there's an element of, of like trying to optimize, which is yep. satisfying. Um, yep, there's a certain amount of ingenuity involved to sort yeah. of like burning things quickly or making sure that you get like as many combos as you possibly can when you, <laughs> when you buy up your items. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it remains uh, and grows on me as far as how fun it is. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, all right. So for next time, we're gonna go through the the end game and and see any kind of credits there might be, and we'll yep. have everything figured out by the end of it. That's the idea. <laughs> cool, awesome. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go for now, and uh, we'll check back in. Yep, look forward to finishing it next week. For Little Paradise, we hope to get Indeed. to next time. All right. Later. Good timing on that clock, too. I know, really. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to our discussion of Little Inferno. A special thanks to Tomorrow Corporation for letting us use their music whenever it was appropriate. For more content like this, or if you just want to follow our progress, please visit us at videogameacademia.wordpress.com.